Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Franci, and I am your host, and I want to begin by saying thank you for listening. On this show, I am having conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some amazing and extraordinary results in both their life and business. My intention is to inspire and help you learn and grow by having my guests share their journey of how they face and overcome their challenges, but also how they celebrate their many wins. And now let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. My guest today, Balaj Cardos, is a millionaire, mentor, visionary entrepreneur, and founder of The Diamond Life, which is a global business movement empowering people to optimize their life and business for more freedom. But not just financial freedom, but freedom of time to do what they love to do. Balaj has directly helped more than 2,000 people to achieve their goal of stepping out of the rat race and to leave their jobs and find both the financial and time freedom they've always wanted to live, which he refers to as their own diamond life. The ripple of his global prosperity movement is responsible for over $500 million in sales by entrepreneurs around the globe, with his own team closing over 200,000 high-ticket product sales and earning over $350 million in commissions. Blages is a committed mentor, coach, and family man to his wife and young daughter. Now, he hopes to create massive waves of prosperity across the globe by helping people from all walks of life build the life of their dreams. A fascinating conversation about health, about wealth, and business created in a model of integrity-based sales. Let's get this show started. Laj Cardos, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to be here. It's been a long time coming, Patrick. Hey, hasn't it? You know, just to give the audience a little bit of background before we kick off here, you know, I met you at least 10 years ago, might have even been closer to a dozen years ago, uh, when you were young and inspiring and or inspired and uh, working hard to, uh, I guess, establish yourself and establish a business. And, you know, you were with a partner back then, but I mean, you're always really impressive. And now this many years later, I've been kind of following along, following your journey, and uh, you have been crushing it. Very, very impressive for a young man. And I say that only because I've recently become an old man, technically, you know, senior citizen. So anyways, uh, Blage, thanks again for joining me. So let's kick it off. Tell the audience, if somebody walks up and says, Blage, what do you do? Uh, what's your answer to that question these days? Yeah, awesome to be here, Patrick. I think it was back in 2004 or something, so roughly 10, 10 years ago, definitely. And that was long before I became a millionaire also. It was just that phase of my life where I wanted to. I knew I would. I'd figured it out one way or another. And the search was on at that point, right? I was really looking for different business models, different ways that I could apply myself with my strengths, with my gifts. And it took me a while, like many people, right? It's it's trial and error. Start this, doesn't work out. You pivot, you you don't really look at it as a failure. Like I tried, it wasn't for me. I went over here, did something else. And in 2013, I actually came back to a business model that I had in my life for five years, but I, I didn't see it clearly and effectively. And what it was is high ticket direct sales. So essentially, I that's what I do today. I also do many other things, coaching, mentorship, and some other personal brand businesses that I've built 
uh, in addition to that. But my core main business is high ticket direct sales on a global scale now in over 100 countries. We've um, helped uh, thousands of people create freedom in their lives with our business model and uh, really looking to take it to the next level now at this stage 10 years later. Yeah, and I've watched your journey along the way and, you know, watch your own evolution and your development. I remember back in those days where you were actually trying to figure out how to be a great speaker and what should I do? And we had a few conversations around that early on. Of course, you went on to do some great things. So when we talk about high ticket, uh, give us some background of what those sales represent and kind of where you have gone with it. Yeah. So, you know, in the coaching and mentorship space, people consider anything over a thousand dollars, um, starting to get into higher ticket price points. There's obviously a range of stuff with there. So we operate primarily in the 5,000 to $15,000 price range. And we're going, uh, you know, see to, um, person to person sales, not business sales, not enterprise sales. Right. So we're really working with everyday people that have all different backgrounds, all different, um, ages, uh, skill sets, experiences, all different walks of life, helping them transition from traditional jobs, traditional businesses that are very time consuming and helping them transition into more of an automated online business that gives them more freedom, more flexibility, allows them to travel, spend time with their family. So we operate in the 15K price range would be top line. And the nice thing about it is it pays out 50 to 70% commission. So when you look at like real estate sales, for example, we're right along the similar commissions without having to sell something that costs hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And in many cases, obviously luxury real estate is a different story, but we have six, $7,000 commissions on a $15,000 sale. And so people very quickly can replace their full-time incomes. And the average person doesn't require that much money to come home, spend time with their families, et cetera. So it's been really a, a passion project for me along with it being a big business because I'm trying my best as my mission and purpose to just create freedom in, in families' lives so they can actually spend time together, unlike the majority of people out there that never really see each other very much. Yeah, and you've certainly done that for yourself, and you've gone on to continue to kind of grow your brand and grow your business. But give us a little bit of detail into the product and you know what got you started on the path of uh, Enagic and uh, Kangen, I guess it is, and th they go together. So give us a little bit more background on that. Yeah, so I'll rewind a little bit just for all the audience who doesn't know my story. So my story began uh, me immigrating from Hungary, Eastern Europe when I was a little boy with my, my parents. And they were really in pursuit of a life of freedom, but in a different context. You know, back then, uh, Hungary was a communist country. There wasn't any opportunities for people there. And so they wanted to escape that and go somewhere else. And it was basically Australia, America, and Canada that they were really set their eyes on. And it just happened to work out that we ended up in Canada. So from there, I, I grew up in an environment that my parents were super hardworking. My dad was in construction, drywall, things like that. Yeah. And my mom was working as a, as a cleaner. And so both of my parents worked really hard. We didn't see them at, at, at all, really. And so I created this like love-hate relationship with money because part of me as a kid who didn't understand what money was and why it's important and how you earn it and things like this, I just really hated it because it seemed to be the thing that stood between me, my parents and quality time and things like that. So I just grew this hatred towards it. And then as I grew a little older into my early teens and high school and things like that, I started to shift that attitude towards falling in love with the idea 
of solving the game of money. So I had had this hatred that I knew wasn't going to serve me. And I shifted it to like, wait a second, maybe I just got to learn what other people know that are wealthy, that are free, that have this beautiful lifestyle. And I'm like, there's something that they know that I don't know. And my parents didn't know it and nobody's taught it to me. So I went on this pursuit to try to crack the code and figure that out for myself. And that's how it all started. So there's two underlying stories. So there's the story of lack of time, lack of money, my family growing up in a divorced household. And then underlying with that, I also had health problems ever since I was about five years old. I suffered with stomach-related digestion issues. And so my parents were always trying to figure out like what was wrong with me. And uh, we changed our diet. I had supplements, um, you know, cut things out, allergies, you name it, went to the doctor, the hospital, all these kinds of tests. And it was really annoying in some ways because I would feel like garbage, like really in pain, a lot of discomfort, uh, kind of all the symptoms of like the Pepto-Bismol symptoms, right? The stomach ache, the can't go to the bathroom, the heartburn, all the things. And so I was always in a mild discomfort. But when I went to the doctor and they did tests and stuff, they always said that I was healthy. It's like they came back, you're a perfectly healthy young man. And I'm like, but I feel like shit. Like, how, how am I supposed to actually believe that I'm healthy? So there was this huge disconnect. So this went on for a decade. And when I was about 16 years old, the doctors finally determined or diagnosed me with a condition called gall sludge. And gall sludge is similar to gall stones, except it's like uh, hundreds of little tiny sandy particles in the gallbladder as opposed to a couple bigger stones. Mm -hmm. And they said that if you don't remove your gallbladder, every time one of these particles escapes through the bile duct, it gets stuck. And that's what was causing me this excruciating pain for up to a week. And then it would pass. I would feel like it never happened. It would be really strange. Like, uh, what? Like the pain would just disappear. And then I'd be back to normal life for a few months. And then boom, again, out for a week. And it was just really not a good way to live. My mom was watching this going like, my son is suffering, man. I got to figure something out. And I'm so grateful for her, right? Her unconditional love never gave up on me, never said, you know what, son, it is what it is for you. You just have the stomach issue. She just kept fighting, kept searching, kept learning. And that's how this water actually came into my life was my mom's pursuit of finding an answer. My gallbladder got removed. My symptoms got worse. We tried everything the doctors recommended. And then um, in 2008, uh, my mom came across um, some books that she was doing some some self-educating around holistic nutrition, alternative medicine, really trying to understand, like, is there another better way than the traditional medical system in North America, you know, treating symptoms and prescribing medication and those kinds of things? She's like, some there's got to be a different way. And she starts reading these books and it just kind of hit her in the face of they started talking about water. And at that moment, she realized that for 10 years, all this stuff that we had gone through with the doctors and the hospitals and all the things, they never asked us about our water. They never said, hey, how much water do you drink? What kind of water do you drink? It was never brought up. So it was kind of strange. And then as she's reading these books, they're talking about, well, 70% of your health, 70% of your body is made up of water. So the type of water and the quantity of water matters to your overall health and wellness, vitality, energy, ability to detoxify your cells. All these things are connected. And we were sitting there just beating our head against the wall for the 30% of our health, and it wasn't helping. So as we discovered this idea around water, my mom started doing some research and discovered this company from Japan. It was 35 years old back then. It's about to celebrate its 49th anniversary actually next week in Las Vegas. So 
It was a 35-year-old established Japanese company, premium brand, hand-built technology, and it had all the patents, it had all the, the certifications. Like It was a really reputable, straight company. And it was really weird because we're like, how, how have we never heard about it? You know, 35 years is a long time for someone to tell us about it and nobody had. So we were broke as a joke, as I mentioned earlier. And so the idea of investing in a bit of a higher ticket product, which this, which this is, was out of the question. And so we found someone on Google. He ended up letting us know, hey, you can try the water for free from his machine in his home. We didn't even know this man. He was a complete stranger. And my mom said, free? Well, that's all we can afford. So we'd love to try it for free, right? So that's how it all started. And she brought it home. I was a, a huge skeptic. I was really in a dark place in my life. At this point, I was starting to really lose hope. I maybe had 1% of hope left after 10 years of trial and error. Nothing was working. So I was a pretty cynical, negative guy at this stage in my life. I kind of told my mom, leave me alone. Water, yeah, right. Like, it, it, There's no way water is going to help me. And she's like, please just try it. I have a really good feeling about it. Uh, so I was like, fine, I don't want to upset my mother. So I drank it for two weeks and all of a sudden my symptoms were gone and I was still skeptical. I thought it was placebo. I, I didn't want to believe it at first. And it wasn't until a month after I drank it for a month straight, I went away for a weekend with some friends for three nights and I never would have ever thought to travel with my special water. You know, it's like, who cares? I'll go get bottled water somewhere at the airport or whatever. And all my symptoms came back that weekend. Wow. And that was the first big aha, like, wait a second, the water might actually be doing something. And then I tried it again, like six months down the track, didn't have it again for a few days. And that's how it all happened. So that's been 15 years ago now that I've um, found this product. And um, I'll stop there, but we can get into sort of what happened next after. Well, I'd love to get into what's next, but I want to unpack a couple of things. You know, there's so much in that whole conversation, you know, not the least of which is, you know, I just had a guest on out of the U.S., a guy by the name of Daniel Gomez, who talked about relationship to money. And, you know, he's quite a world-renowned speaker, but he talks about people's relationships and relationship with money based on, you know, belief systems and how we're raised and that, you know, that... I guess they would use the analogy of the thermostat. You know, we hit that certain thermostat, that temperature uh, hits there and it clicks off. And the next yeah, thing yes. you know, you're down and you're running that up and down movement, but you never really get past that uh, that temperature that you're comfortable with when it comes to money. All about the relationship of money, which you... Now, I want to unpack it just a little bit, Balaj, because, you know, at that point in your life, you're young, you have a realization that you're relationship to money didn't make really make sense for you. you 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 saw the negative side of things and then you shifted was there a fork in the road moment that kind of drew you to say hold it i gotta snap the hell out of it i need to get into this money game or figure this out or was it just kind of it just grew on you and you had a realization so was there a fork in the road or was it just a realization that you know you had one day in the shower kind of thing yeah, the, it was a sequence of events that took place over years when I was at that younger teenager level. And I realized like, at first I thought it had something to do with like looks. Okay. So I was like, man, I think all wealthy people must be good looking or something like that. I'm like, I don't really know if I qualify. So I was kind of looking for the external for a while. And I thought it was celebrities and movie stars and athletes and all these kinds of things that really required that. But then I started seeing people that just kind of looked very normal, but they still looked well off, you know, putting their golf clubs in the trunk of their car on a Tuesday going golf. And I'm going like, how the heck are you going golfing, man? Isn't everyone at work? So all these things started to just kind of break my 
my paradigm around life itself. And I started going, that's not adding up. That's not what, what makes sense to me. And so I started questioning things and I've always had, um, I guess this, this skill or this character trait of curiosity. And I think that's one of the keys to success. That's the keys to changing your life is being curious and open-minded to like, why is it like that? Why is that person's life this way? And so I started asking tons and tons of questions like that. First, internally in my mind, I didn't really ask anyone directly. And so that went on for a little bit. Then I was a wandering generality when it came to working, uh, where I didn't feel worthy of applying for a job that I wanted. So I never actually put my resume in or tried to get any jobs. I always got these hand-me-down jobs. So basically through the grapevine, someone would say, hey, so-and-so is looking for a guy to be a roofer. You want to be a roofer? And I'm kind of going, I don't got anything better to do. All right, cool. Next thing you know, I'm a freaking roofer, right? And I'm like, have no interest in roofing and I'm doing this stupid job. And then that got old. I got fired, whatever, just didn't work out. And then someone else is like, hey, this baker is hiring this night shift baker. I'm like, next thing you know, I'm baking a graveyard. <laughs> so all these things were kind of like, and then I had this moment, I'm like, my life is literally going to keep going this way where people just kind of give me their hand-me-down BS jobs and I'm just going to keep accepting them. I'm like, nah, nah, this isn't making much sense. So a series of events around uh, my teens to early 20s, I got fired from 12 jobs by the age of 25. And then what I realized at this point is that I was unemployable. I realized that my mind was never okay with being told what to do, not because I was disobedient necessarily, but I was always problem solving. I'm like, that's not very efficient. I think I could do that better, but people didn't like that. So I became a threat. I became someone who wasn't like just a, a worker bee in the, in the company. And so they always found a way to get rid of me. Right. And so there's all these series of events that sort of led to this moment of me realizing I should be my own boss in something, but I had no context of what does that mean? How do you even start a business? How do you even work for yourself? It was just this complete disconnect. I didn't even mention this, but my father had passed away from cancer at the age of 21. I was 21 years old and he was 54. And it kind of flipped my world upside down because around that age is when I thought I would start like being groomed by my father to become a man. So I was like starting to feel ready. I'm like, I don't feel like a kid anymore. I don't feel like a teenager anymore. And then right at like 21, I'm going, all right, man, I'm ready to figure out this man thing. You know, how do I become a man? Um, and I lose my dad. And so all of a sudden I'm like, well, well who's going to help me with this now? So I felt super lost for a while. And then when I was 24, I had met my first mentor. I didn't even know what a mentor was at that moment. Uh, but he sort of took me under his wing and his name was Darren. And Darren, what was really cool about him is he gave me these little micro assignments and basically his perspective was, if I give you a micro assignment, like go read this book. And when you're done, let me know. If I did it, I would be a student who's ready for, you know, help, mentorship, coaching. But if I just ignored it and never came back, he's like, well, you're not someone I want to help change their life or something. And I just kept delivering these micro assignments. He said this, I did it, came back. And so he helped me actually with a lot of those things. But that was the transition for me was questioning, being curious, opening up these new pathways of, wait a second, is that possible for me? Is that a reality that I could um, work towards? And then exploring that and sort of going in those directions whenever opportunities came up. 
you know, you make a really good point that I just want to shine a light on because as coaches, your coach, I've coached, we do this a lot. You've been coached as I, I continue to hire coaches, by the way. The point is, is, you know, we often ask the question, you know, are you coachable? And people just really don't understand that, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than trying to work with somebody who says they are wanting to achieve something, but they're literally not coachable. You know, and I say to those people, I'm sure your intentions are great, but I can't want something more for you than you want it for yourself. So when you're ready, then go ahead. In the meantime, we pass on it. So I only say that as kind of one of those moments that it's 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 a coachable moment on a podcast to remind people that you have to ask yourself, are you really coachable? Are you ready to take direction? Because you just gave a great illustration of what that means. And, uh, you know, you parked your ego. You didn't have any ego around it. You didn't push back. You just said, okay, I'll go do that. And you in fact went and did that. So I I love that kind of moment in time, the story to share. So when you look at where you got to in terms of the work that you're doing today with Enagic and the journey that you went on, uh, you saw the health benefits, you saw how important water is. Of course, you're starting and you got into it, understanding the science behind it. Why don't we talk a little bit about understanding water? So I've been, Stephanie and I have been on water for probably 20 years. Uh, there was, we were into a different product. I don't remember what it was, but we've always understood water. And for 20 years, we've drank water. We've understood, you know, uh, alkaline based and pH balanced water. And we, we, we really kind of have always embraced it. It's just part of our life. We don't really think about it much these days, but why don't you give us a little bit of science around what you learned on your journey about the importance of water? Uh, that would be helpful. Yeah, definitely. So it all started with, first of all, me not knowing anything about the water, listening to my mom, drinking it, experiencing it, and noticing that it was doing something. So then I was like, okay, well, something's happening here. It tastes better. It tastes different. I feel good you know, energy levels through the roof. So there's all these like immediate benefits. But most importantly, for my personal testimonial is that my stomach stuff went away. And that was like night and day, like my quality of life was that it was probably 60% out of 100 for 10 plus years, not even knowing anywhere near what 100% felt like. And then as I started to heal from this and get better from this and so on and so on, I started to increase that Uh, closer to 100%. I'm like, wow, this is so different, right? And I think a lot of people out there, they don't even realize what their real energy levels are, what their potential is. They're operating so far away from that, that they're not even close to great or exceptional or outstanding. So that was the first part for me. Then I started understanding, okay, well, what is the water really doing? And what it started off with was looking at the three most common reasons why people are sick. So the three most common reasons why people are sick are acidosis. So they're overly acidic. They're dehydrated, chronically dehydrated, like way far past dehydrated. They're like permanently there. And the, the, the final one is inflammation. So we have all these fancy different ways of diseases, calling them X, Y, Z, you know, all these things that are like man-made labels. But when we go and strip that down to the root cause within our bodies and ourselves, most of them are actually caused by those three problems. So when I understood that, and by by no way am I a scientist or a doctor or anything like this, this is a very layman's terms explanation, but I was like, okay, that does make sense. We're eating acidic foods, our environment is very high stress, pollution, lack of sleep. There's all these things from what we eat to what we drink, it's all kind of setting us up to fail in general society. 
And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Not to mention that typically bottled water, tap water, it doesn't taste very good. It's not appetizing. It tastes like metal. It makes you bloated. It's it's kind of nasty. So if you had to choose between nasty water and like a margarita, <laughs> you're like, I have a margarita or, uh, or, a, or a latte or a cappuccino or a, a cup of tea or a juice. It's almost like anything but water because water is so freaking nasty most of the time. So it's not something people want. Whereas this water tastes pristine. So when I first had my sip, I was like, it just felt light, smooth. Um, it, 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 the best way I could describe it is it tasted like how water is supposed to taste. And that's the best way I can explain it where I'm like, I taste, I'm like, wait a second, that tastes delicious. Like I choose this over all the other stuff now, but whatever I've been drinking, that was water. I don't know what the stuff that was. That was like some contaminated weird stuff. It's how it felt. Right. So it started there. And then I realized that the machine that you purchase that connects to your tap water, the three key benefits of this water is um, the counterbalance of the three main root causes of illness. So I'm like, okay, so the water is pH um, alkaline, but it's not alkaline how it would be in the grocery store when you buy a bottle of water at Whole Foods and it says pH 9.5 on the label. It's not the same thing because one, you can change with chemicals. So you can add baking soda and other things to water and raise the pH. That's not what this machine does. This machine actually electrically alters the pH and it's alkalized water. And the alkalization process, the ionization process creates molecular hydrogen, H2. Now, H2 goes in the body and it's a free radical scavenger. So there's a lot of um, positively charged um, molecules in the body that are actually from the environment, the food, the acidity, the things that we're consuming. So they're searching for something to get released from the system. So when you drink the water, negative and positive connects and you flush it out of your body. And because we're made mostly of water, this is one of the easiest things someone can change instead of saying, oh, go raw vegan or, you know, this really extreme shifts in lifestyle and diet that most people can't stick to. This is just change your water and drink enough of it every day, three, four liters a day, and you'll see some magic start to happen. That also solves the chronic dehydration problem, the acidity problem, and the inflammation problem. So naturally, people really start to shift from sick, overweight, unhealthy, inflamed, you know, red in the face, puffy, all the things to shifting over to having better health. So that's how it started for me. And then funny enough, when we got our, our machine, my mom got a machine. She is not necessarily a businesswoman or great at communication or any of those kinds of things. English is a second language for her. And, but she has a really, really big heart and she really cares about people and she really wants the best for others, including me, but her friends, her family, her colleagues. So she started asking these people, Hey, I'm just curious. Have you ever heard about this Kongan water before? And mind you, this was 15 years ago. And every single person said no. And she's just like, this is so strange. Like, where's this been for 35 years? I don't understand. It was such a weird thing. So she says, would you be willing to give it a try for free? You know, my son tried it for free. I tried it for free. My brother tried it for free. And we all had amazing results. Would you be willing to try it for free? And just let us know if it does something for you. And we were genuinely curious at this stage because we're like, maybe it's just us. Maybe we're some kind of special person. Like, because our skepticism was so high, we needed like so much evidence that this was real that we just kept trying to find more evidence. So then at this point in my life, I was in a really, like I mentioned, a dark place. I lost my father to cancer eight months before we found the water. I was grieving. I was um, sleeping in, smoking dope, like 
no, no job, no direction. I was just in a really dark place, like this depression. And then the water came into her life and it was the first positive thing that I was actually excited about. I'm like, man, this water just makes me feel good. Like feeling good is the real currency. Like if I feel good, oh my gosh, I could take on the world, right? I started to kind of shift this negative energy into like opening up my ideas like, huh, maybe I could go get a job. Maybe it's enough laying on the couch watching TV all day kind of thing. And right at that time, my mom says to me, she goes, hey, listen, you're basically a bum sleeping on the couch, not paying rent. The least you could do is fill up water for these people that are saying yes to trying it. Uh, I was like, I really don't want to talk to people. You know, mom, that's kind of kind of annoying, but fine. Fair enough. I'll do I'll do this for you. So that's how it started. And she started sending these strangers to our home. They're coming with those massive like 18 liter um, bottles that you have at the break room at your job or something like this. Or sometimes people have them in their kitchen. They're coming with these empty, right? And I'm like, not in the mood to talk to people. So I'm just, I'm looking at their bottle and I'm like, man, that's going to take at least 15, 20 minutes to fill up. What are we going to freaking talk about? You know, like, I'm like so annoyed by this thought. So I came up with a strategy. I'm like, my strategy is ask you a question and then I shut up and listen for 20 minutes and then you can leave. (laughs) That was my strategy. So then I started asking people, well, do you have any health problems? That's, you know, I thought like that would be a pretty good question. And I was so shocked that everybody had something going on. But when I looked at them, they didn't look sick. They didn't look like something was going on. But they're like, yeah, I got back pain. I got this. I got a a psoriasis, arthritis, all the things you can imagine. People are listing off their problems. And I just kind of went, uh-oh, like I opened a can of worms because I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you anything. So I just go, oh, wow, thanks for sharing. Well, let me know if the water helps. (laughs) That's all I did. And then people would leave. And what was incredible was they came to our place two or three times a week. And uh, we always make this joke these days that it looked like we were selling some kind of drugs because people would come (laughs) with these jugs and it was all day. You know what I mean? These massive jugs loading them in the trunk of their car. And there's this like teenager in the house just giving away water. It was very weird. Eventually, people started to come and say, you don't understand. You changed my life. This water changed my life. My this is gone. My this is improved. And I'm kind of just shocked. And then where everything sort of started to change was people asked us, hey, look, are you the only ones like in Canada that have one of these things? Like, is it, can we get one? And we didn't know there was any type of referral program from the company or anything. So we sent people to the guy we got her from. And that's when we got, <coughs> excuse me, that's when we got introduced to the business. Well, and isn't that interesting, though? Well, let's go back on a couple things. You know, first and foremost, I'm, I'm curious in your experience back then to the degree you remember, like when you're sick, when you're not feeling well, when your body's toxic for whatever reason it's toxic, um, we're all a little bitchy. It changes your mood. It changes your frame of reference to the world because you're either in constant pain or discomfort or your body's just out of sync. When you were starting to drink that water back then, and and I, I do have a you know, I mean, part of this question is I know the answer because I can, I'll share a little bit about my own experience over the years, but you know, what, did you start to notice the shift in mood or was it because you saw that you could monetize it that all of a sudden you got a little happier? And I say that a little bit in jest. No. Give me a little bit yeah, of your background no, that's a great that. question. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. No, it had nothing to do with the monetization at all. It, it actually had to do with like my mental energy was almost focusing on the pain I was in. So it was this constant like reminder, like, oh, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. Like 
what can I do? What can I eat? Everything that I did from food to eating to how I laid on the couch was all around trying to minimize this pain. So I would, you know, find out these different ways of laying on the couch with like a pillow between my legs and like in this weird fetal position and that it would ease the pain. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I didn't feel that. And I'm like, I have mental capacity to think about something else. And so that's where it started. I'm like, well, like, wow, like the sky is nice outside. It's like I didn't even notice the beauty of life because I was so in this dark place and this pain. So as it went away, I started to just kind of um, shift to a neutral mood, not happy, not not upset, not grumpy, just kind of neutral. Then it stayed there for a little bit. Then when I started to be of service to others, which was actually by accident because my mom sort of made me. But when I became of service to others, I, I dreaded when the doorbell rang and someone wanted water. I dreaded it probably for the first two weeks, maybe a month. I was like, oh, eye roll kind of thing. And then all of a sudden they started coming back with the stories. Hey, I feel better. And then all of a sudden it was like, ding dong. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm excited. Like, what are they going to share with me today? What, what is the change? What is the update? How are they feeling better? And so then I started to get excited and happy, not because of any business. We didn't even know about any monetization at this point. It was just the stories, the testimonials, the, the, the thought of like, my stomach stuff improved. We purchased a machine. We're giving it away for free. And now these people are having these incredible results. Mm. This is really cool because up until that point in my life, I never really did anything where I had this direct impact on another person. So I didn't even know what that was like. So I had this introduction of like, wait a second, I really love helping people, man. Like, I really love the stories. I love the direct face-to-face -face interaction. And at the time, I didn't know what it was going to lead to, but it opened up this whole new part of myself of like, I need more of this in my life. And, and that's how it transitioned. You know, the reason I, you know, like I say, I, a little bit tongue in cheek and I joke about it, but, you know, many, many years ago, and I'm going to say I was 30-ish, so that's a long time ago these days, but, you know, the point of it is that I was really struggling back then in terms of I wasn't sleeping well, I was never really quite feeling well, I was very irritable often. And uh, I just met Stephanie back in those days. And, you know, we started talking about some things and, and I, neither of us were big believers in, you know, going through in, to a doctor, for example. And I didn't know why she was very clear. She was far for, she, she really introduced me to, uh, you know, a holistic world of health and looking after yourself. And I went to a naturopath in that whole context, we did blood tests and we did all sorts of things. And within that, the naturopath, you know, did things like we adjusted coffee and I was drinking green tea and I was doing all sorts of things. But that's when I first got introduced to the conversation of water. And we literally spent, I don't know, it was several thousand dollars, I want to say, or at least a couple of thousand on some version of a water machine. I just don't, I want to say it was Athena. I don't remember what it was. Anyways, the point is, is that I started to see how it shifted. I was feeling better overall. I was sleeping better. And although I'd cleaned up a lot of things in my life, so I couldn't necessarily attribute it to the water. I just knew that I also craved that water. Uh, something that you said that was interesting is the taste of good water is it sets a benchmark for how you expect water to taste. It's why it's hard drinking water out of a tap, or to your point, even drinking bottled water. And, you know, I'll throw Dasani under the bus. I'll, I'd rather go thirsty than drink a bottle it's of Dasani so water, you know? So 
I, I call it Coke's barrel swill. And so that is throwing Dasani under the bus, but that's how I feel about Money. it. Anyways, yeah. that's how passionate we are about, you know, our own health. Now I look at that, you know, now I look this many years later and I'm like incredibly healthy. I, I don't even remember the last time I got a cold. It was years ago. And I know it was a stressful time and we just are healthy all of the time. And I know that it, it had a lot to do with lifestyle, but overall we also are drinking that water and, and is actually having you as a guest on the show was interesting because number one, I followed you. So I watched you kind of go from zero to hero and you're crushing it out there in terms of the difference you're making in thousands of people's lives. I think that's very, very cool. I have, uh, you know, a, a long time ago, I came up with a quote that uh, success is simple, significantly impact many people's lives every day. And it turned out to be that acronym. And what a difference that you can make in that industry called how do you support people in being healthy? And of course, there's the additional benefit of how do you support people in gaining and growing their financial futures and their financial health as well along the way. And all from water. And a lot of uh, I think people understand the concept because it's certainly more mainstream in a conversation than it has been in the past, but you're really living it. I mean, you're saying, as to your point earlier, I mean, you're literally operating at a global scale and you're working in even in countries where you're bringing water that is seeing the difference. Now, I don't want to talk at a school or can you give us a little bit of background, even how impactful it is in in, in other parts of the world? Yeah, it's so big. So I think part of what I want to really touch on with this conversation around the water is we've reiterated so many things over the years of how we deliver the message, how we deliver the product, how we deliver the opportunity, because I am a huge believer in sequence. Sequence really truly matters. And when we look at, you know, the ingredients in a recipe, for example, if you try to cook a, a, a stew or a soup, or bake a cake or bake some bread and you do it the opposite way of the instructions on the, the recipe, it will not look like bread. It will not taste like bread. So you have to follow the recipe. You have to follow the sequence, but with business and um, health and wellness, it's not so clear. Like this is the recipe. It's a little bit more like here's all the ingredients, figure it out for yourself. And everybody keeps trying to make the recipe work. So that's basically where I feel like one of my strengths has come over the last decade building this is I first started off face to face with people after that experience with my mom. And there's an important little segment there that I want to just um, mention also mm -hmm. was because of my upbringing with the money piece and the limiting beliefs and the lack and scarcity that I grew up with, you know, this machine is around four or $5,000 uh, and it's a one-time purchase. So there is a, an important factor there with price versus cost, right? Price is what you pay once. And then the cost is what you pay for the lifetime of how long that product or service lasts you. So in this case, you pay the price upfront, but the cost is like pennies over the course of 15, 20 years. I still have the original machine from 15 years ago and it's operating the same way. And so it saved me so much money over the, that time frame of not buying bottled water and all the other products it replaces. So the point was that when I was thinking about selling a product for four grand or five grand, you know, like that was 4,000 times my net worth at that time. So <laughs> I didn't feel worthy, right? I was like, who am I to sell something that is more money than I've ever seen in my life at one particular point in time at that point? 
So I had a really hard time wrapping my head around trying to sell it as a business or market it or whatever. And I was sabotaging myself because of those limiting beliefs around money. And so after we discovered the business model, about six months after we got the machine and the guy who we bought it from showed us the numbers and how it works, I had this deep burning intuition like, this is it. I'm going to do something big with this thing. But I had no success with it. I tried to talk to people about it. Everyone made fun of me. Everyone said my mom is crazy and she got scammed. And I heard all the most negative stuff from everybody. But I knew that I believed in it because it changed my life personally. So no matter what everybody said, it wasn't impacting my belief in it. But I sort of got discouraged trying to talk about it. And then afterwards, me and my mom weren't really seeing eye to eye. It was that that period of time where sometimes your parents feel like the enemy and you're just not really connecting and stuff. So me and my mom weren't really getting along and I, and I see it clearly now she was right. And I, I was a, I was a fool at that age. So I'm sorry, mom, <laughs> I messed up. And she knows that I've apologized many times, but I ended up moving out with $600 to my name and 12 jobs that fired me was basically my non-existent resume. So I was kind of screwed at 600 bucks to my name had no skills, no formal education, no nothing that I could really rely on except for these random odd jobs that I had given to me, like passed me down jobs my whole life. And then I'm trying to look for work and no one would hire me because I have no references. So it was like this egg and chicken situation. I'm like, come on, man, give me a chance. And I stumbled into door-to-door sales. And door-to-door sales, I was selling telecom for one of the biggest companies in Canada called Telus. And I was selling their TV and internet service. Mm -hmm. So mind you, I started to learn a skill set of communication, going to people's homes, you know, giving them a deal. And I had to be like overcoming my own self every day because it was me versus me. It was like every day, the elements, it was raining, it was hot, it was cold, all the different things. And then it was like an opportunity door after door after door to improve my, my pitch, to get my message across, to give them a deal, all these things. So After doing this for four years, what happened that I didn't realize was that my money beliefs, my worthiness was shifting because I started to make more income in door to door. And I got it up to about 20 to 25,000 a month in commissions. And I thought I was rich, right? I'm like, I made it, man. I'm I'm, I think I was 25 years old, no home, no kids, no responsibilities, no, um, no nothing except for $600 of rent a cell phone. And I think like going out to get lunch, like I had nothing. Right. And I'm pulling in 20, 25 K. I'm like, I'm freaking rich, man. This is, I made it. Living but I dream. had no freedom. <laughs> and that was when I realized I didn't have freedom. And so the whole thing shifted from not having money my whole life to making money. Like I got to make money. I got to make money. I got to solve the game of money to all of a sudden stacking cash pretty quickly in the bank from this job and having nothing really to do with it at that point. And I remember wanting to take my girlfriend on a trip to Mexico. We hadn't really traveled anywhere together aside from like a Whistler for the weekend, locally, stuff like this. And I'm like, man, you know, like, I feel like I really earned this uh, opportunity to take my girl and kind of show her this nice week in Mexico and live it up. And we got this all-inclusive thing. Uh, It was like, I think 3,500 bucks. It wasn't even a lot of money necessarily for two people, but it was a big deal for me at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I took her there. And uh, I remember trying to ask my boss at this door-to-door company if he would like give me the week off, right? And I remember him looking at me kind of like, 
with disgust. Like, who do you think you are asking for time off? That was his attitude. And I'm like, wait a second. And it just hit me like I felt like a slave. I felt like I had these handcuffs to this job, even though the money was pretty good. And in the moment I made that decision, I'm like, put a little smile on my face. I'm like, oh, okay, my bad. Like, when can I go? Like, you know, just totally bow down in the moment. And in the back of my thought, I'm like, man, never again. That made me feel so small, so insignificant of like just being the master of my destiny and being in control of my life. I'm like, never again. I got so angry. So anyways, so behind the scenes after my door-to-door day ended, I was looking for these different business models and back to the water. So this is the, the funny story that I always share is the water machine talks to you. And when you turn it on, it says, you know, Kangen water 9.5. And it kind of says that to you. So every morning I'd wake up and I was kind of dreading going to the office to do my door to door thing. And I turn on the machine and I always hydrate about a liter of water in the morning first thing. So I'm standing beside the machine, keep slamming glasses of water and it keeps talking to me and I'm looking out the window. And if only there was a businessman that could <laughs> and it keeps saying Kangen water 9.5, completely ignoring it. And then one day it all comes full circle and I had a conversation with my brother and he's like, dude, mom's been trying to build this businessman for like five years. She's not really getting very far with it on her own. It changed your life. You believe in it. You now are good at sales. You're doing this door to door thing. You're making some good money, man. Why don't you work with mom? Why don't you set her up? Why don't you retire her? What's your deal, man? What's wrong with you? And he just calls me out and everything he said, he was, it was true. Everything he said was on point. Like he nailed everything, but it was hard to accept it, right? I'm like, you're my little brother, man. Watch your mouth. Kind of like that was my initial ego response. But then when I went to bed, I was like, man, he's right, man. Like everything he's saying is true. So that was my decision to go back to the water. But the real distinction was the worthiness piece because I had built that belief up. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a big baller now, right? I'm doing 25 grand a month. I can sell this machine for four grand. I believed in myself to go do that. And that, that was how things started. But I was still trying to sell the product. So it was very much water, health, like we're talking about so far on this podcast today. And what I realized was I was dealing with young people, people that were my age in their mid-20s. And I was doing these presentations talking about older people um, that have health issues that are baby boomers, this kind of stuff, right? Because that was the company culture at that time. And all these people, I was losing them. Every single person, they're all like, man, I don't got no health problems. Like, I'm good. I'm energized. I'm an athlete. And so I realized that that angle of my story and my experience wasn't actually going to ever serve the younger audience. And that's how we started to innovate and have these different iterations that led us to today. Well, you know, that's such a great point too, because, you know, the... The reality of it is, is that when you are young, generally, you know, most people are pretty healthy. It's not a point in your life where you're not feeling good. So I'm assuming along at that point, Blas, you started looking at Kangen as a business opportunity for others. Now, is the term, I, I don't even know, so this is little, a, a legit question from my point, is it still referred to as multi-level marketing or what is it called these days? Because I don't know. Because it is a bit of that's what it was. I don't know what it is anymore. I really don't. But give us a little bit of background and what what the business model is that you then stepped into. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that there's elements of, you know, network marketing, uh, multi-level marketing, direct sales. There's a little bit of elements of all of it in this business model, but it really depends on how someone chooses to go about the business where someone who, for example, resonates with like an online 
um, attraction marketing or running paid traffic on social media, like ads that lead to a web page or a, a, a webinar or like an online presentation that leads to like this automated process, mm-hmm. that person is going to resonate more with a high ticket affiliate marketing angle. And it can be done that way. Now, someone else might go, you know what? Techie stuff isn't for me. I don't like the ads. I don't like paying money for that kind of thing. I actually love the face-to-face model. And I love the friends and family or going and networking and meeting people at meetup.com or whatever, right? There's other ways of doing it more traditionally, face-to-face, coffee shops, phone calls. And it works that way as well. And that person's going to refer to it as direct sales, Mm -hmm. right? Then you're going to have someone who might be more of a traditional person who's like, okay, well, I just want to build a downline and I want to recruit people for that intention, which is going to be more of a multi-level marketing, I guess, approach, I guess. But they're all, all of them, depending on how you build it, the model itself, what's, what I loved about it personally is that it was more like a franchise model in the sense that you sell one of these machines and it becomes a profit center in your organization and you make the commission on that transaction upfront. And if that person never sells a machine, is no interest in selling the machine, they just wanted the water and the health benefits, you still make a pretty good commission and that could be the end of it as a single transaction. Mm-hmm. But in, in many cases, what happens is someone will purchase the water, drink it for three months, six months, 12 months, years even, right? Like in my case, it was five years before I really built the business. Yep. And they own this distributor uh, ID number that came with their machine for life. So at any point, if they refer someone one day, uh, they will be compensated for the referral. And I find that really powerful because you're you're building these locations in this global franchise, but it's sitting on someone's counter in their home as a health product that they use for everything, cooking, cleaning. I mean, think about what you use water for in your day-to-day life. It revolves around almost everything you do is connected to water in one way or another, right? Which is really powerful. So that's, I saw the vision of, okay, if I can build this with a direct sales model approach, but then someone who puts their hand up and says, hey man, I wanna take this thing seriously. Like, I really wanna market this thing. I wanna run ads to this thing. I wanna build a network or build an organization. I was willing to work with those people. And so it's a bit of all of it. What I resonate with these days is high ticket direct sales where, I prefer to do things online. I don't actually hit up people that I know or message people or DM people. Hey, you want to have a look at this thing? That's not my style. I like people coming to me and I primarily do that through social media marketing, content, lifestyle stuff where people just ask me like, how do you live this life, man? It looks like you got a lot of freedom. Um, you spend lots of time with your family. How do you build it? And then I introduce them to the concept around the model itself. And then when they find out what the product is a little bit later in the process, it's logically, it makes sense. They're just like, cool, all these waters are not good for me. This makes sense. It's an asset that I'm buying. And that's kind of how we've been doing it um, in the last little while, last five, six years. And it's by far the best sort of sequence that we have found that works really effectively. Well, you know, it's one of the reasons that I reached out to you to get you on the podcast because I saw what you had achieved and and I because I've known you and have kind of followed your journey, it was so fascinating to see somebody who had kind of taken it to that level and understanding just what your goal was, what your passion was, and was really in alignment with 
what you talked about even many years ago. Now, I know you've expanded on that and matured and uh, and evolved and developed and got married and have a child and all the rest of it. But, you know, you really set the trajectory back then and the path that you took to get there is also really interesting. But when you look at this particular model, I mean, it really does serve it works for many, and that's why I'm I'm kind of looking at it going, as a business model, it's very interesting to see what you've created and the opportunities. And then, as you said, there's different ways to approach it. So I thought that was kind of cool. When you think about, you know, the aspect of, you know, what you've had to go through, you know, we've talked a lot about mindset just even uh, before we got on, you know, we, we touched base about mindset and the shift that you've gone through. Uh, did it always, or was it, kind of really intentional for you, Balaj, because, you know, some people look at mindset and they go, oh, yeah, it's just the way it is. I am the way I am. And of course, you and I don't take on that. But when you're talking and thinking about your own journey, how much time did you actually take in terms of the study of understanding yourself, the study of mindset? Did you literally take it on and read and get coached? And how did you handle that part of it? Yeah, it's a great question. So initially, I was completely unconsciously incompetent with anything to do with mindset work, anything to do with the the thought of reading and, and self-help and self-improvement and any of that stuff was foreign to me, completely off my radar. Uh, my parents didn't really talk about it. I didn't know it existed. Mm -hmm. When I stumbled into, I'll tell you the story of how the whole mentorship with my first mentor happened. And on my new podcast that I started a few months ago, Episode two actually gets into that story as well, if anybody wants to go into the super deep version, but I'll summarize it here. So here I am in this dark place. I started giving water away to people my mom was sending to the house. It shifted my mood. I started feeling better. I, I had this open mind all of a sudden to like, like I was almost disgusted with myself when I had a moment of like, what am I doing, man? I'm just a bum on my mom's couch. Like it kind of hit me, right? I'm like, what the hell is my life turning into? But for a while there, I was just sort of ignoring it. I wasn't thinking about it. And then I'm like, ew, man, like get your life together. So I had that moment. And then I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Like, okay, so I'm, I'm trying to use my critical thinking of like, well, what's the first step to like get my life together? And I'm like, I need a job. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure why, but I'm like, a responsible person has a job. I don't even have one of those. Let me get one. So I go on Craigslist. And I look at, at some jobs that I could get. And I'm, um, I had a background in um, customer service. Uh, I, I was a server that I got fired from these server jobs. So it was like customer facing type of roles. So I went on Craigslist in the job posting section. And, uh, and I look there and it literally says bartender, waiter, all these different things. And then there was this company that was starting that was called, it was a promotions company. And I clicked on that. I'm like, that looks interesting. It was like, it said something, the, the title said something about new company looking to fill many positions, something along those lines. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So I click on it and I'm scrolling down this list and it's like server, bartender, model, DJ, whatever, things that you would think about like a nightclub promotions company, right? All these things, photographer, videographer, all these things. And at the very bottom, it says VP, vice president of this company, right? And, and something just inside of me was like, oh, VP, like <laughs> I could probably get my life together if I was a VP, but I had like no business at all thinking about being a VP. But 
something about who I am, my, my, um, my purpose in this life, my destiny, a higher calling, whatever you want to call it, gave me the nudge. Blah, you could be a VP, man. You could be a VP. Why don't you just apply for the VP job? So anywho, my crazy old self applies for this VP job. The lady who's the owner of this new company is on the phone. She's kind of interviewing me, asking me a few questions. And then she says to me, she goes, you know what? It sounds like you're a perfect fit to be the VP. You got the job. And I'm, I'm kind of going, this doesn't, this isn't adding up somehow, right? Like, I'm like, I'm excited. I got this job, but it's not adding up. So I'm just rolling with it. I'm like, all right. And then I tell, I tell my mom, I'm like, hey, mom, I got this VP job. She goes, you got a what? <laughs> so I'm like, don't worry. I'll tell you the details later. So I'm getting excited, right? And I haven't felt excited at this point in a long time. So I'm just excited. It feels good to be like looking forward to something. So I keep going with it. And then she calls me. She's like, your first task as VP is to hire everyone else that you saw on that list in the advert. And I'm going, how the heck am I going to hire all these people? I don't know how to hire people. I don't even know where to find these people. But I'm like, that's what a VP does. So <laughs> let me start hiring. So next thing you know, I hired this little team. I got some models who are willing to do the promo. I found a photographer. And I, and I did this in like two weeks. And so next thing you know, I hired this team. But we don't have money. The company owner has no money to pay anybody. So we're telling everybody, hey, listen, you got to kind of work pro bono for 30 days. We're going to get a couple gigs. And then as soon as a nightclub pays us, we'll pay you. And this whole, it starts getting weird, right? It's like, you work for free. We'll pay you later. It's this bootstrap startup company. And then next thing you know, we have this, this uh, lunch meeting with this guy who wants to put on a big event and wants to hire us. So the owner says, you got to come with me to this meeting at Cactus Club, downtown Vancouver. So that's how I met my mentor because the guy who wanted to hire us was this guy named Darren. So we're sitting there and we keep making eye contact and he keeps kind of giving me these little life lessons and these mindset little perspective shifts and he's saying it right at me. And every time he said it, it just resonated. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a cool way to look at it. Like never looked at it like that. So this guy's teaching me in real time with these little quotes and these little phrases and stuff. And at the very end, he goes, hey, man, call me tomorrow. I want to talk to you about something. I'm like, okay. So I call him the next day. He goes, that woman's going to take you for everything you got. First thing he says to me. And I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, dude, I could see you from a mile away. She's a scammer. She's using you. She's playing into your ego. Gave you this VP job that you have no business being VP. Next thing you know, she's going to ask you to take out a loan, like a line of credit from your bank to pay the staff that you hired. It's out of your pocket. And he just breaks it down for me in like 15 minutes. And I'm going just shocked, right? And, and, and something about what he said, I'm like, the guy's telling me the truth, man. I just felt that he was right because mm -hmm. there was all these red flags, right? So that's how it all started with the personal development, just, just to give you the backstory. Because up until then, I had zero business reading books, trying to learn, trying to improve nothing. Then after I trusted him and what he was telling me, the woman did ask me to take out a loan. And he was right. He called it like a couple days before it happened. And then I was like, whoa, it was, I could only get approved for 5,000 bucks. And she's like, okay, you're going to get this loan 5,000 and pay everybody for their first month of work 5,000. So I was literally going to be out to nothing. Right. And I declined. I said, no. And that's when he started giving me these micro assignments. And one of the things he told me was to uh, watch the movie, the secret. So I read the, I watched the movie, the secret, and it was the first time in my life that I felt like I was remembering information instead of learning it. And it was very weird. I had to pause the, the DVD and I'm like, wait a second, did I watch this? When did I watch this? And I'm like, I have never watched it. What? 
click play, keep watching it. And all the things that are law of attraction, what you think about is like your reality and all those little like lessons in the, sh- in the, in the, the documentary, man, I know this stuff. This makes sense. Why am I not doing it? I keep focusing on the problems in my life. No wonder it's nothing but problems. So all these things start opening up for me. I call Darren back and I go, Hey, listen, man, what else you got for me? You got a book for me or something? Like what else could I do? He's like, yeah, read this book, read that book. Right. So I'm just kind of going through this process. And then I started reading a couple sales books or no, sorry, I got a sales job at the door to door thing. And I started to learn how to, um, analyze my own, what I did well and what I could improve on for next time. And it was like self-taught, like it just made sense to me. I'm like, okay, I had this pitch. This didn't work. Uh, let me try this other thing. And then, but at the same time, your intro is really solid blog. And I was giving myself some praise and like, you're doing awesome, man. Keep it up. But at the same time, you got to get better over here. So I'm doing this internally. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then I got told about Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and some of these like, OGs, Jim yeah. Rohn, some of these guys. And I'm like reading these books, like secrets of closing the sale from Zig Ziglar. And I'm reading it, realizing that I had figured that stuff out on my own through trial and error, but I didn't understand how to teach it. Like I couldn't explain it to anybody, but as I'm reading it, I'm like, that's what I've been doing. I'm like, this is so cool. And then from there, I'm like, what if I read books like a couple steps ahead of where I am so I can improve? And that's what opened up the personal development. Then from there, I started reading some books. I'm like, you know what? What if I could meet people at like a conference or like an in-person event where I could um, have immersion? I'm like, if I could be around people who know this stuff and be with them for two or three days, I'm willing to put myself in those rooms. And that just made sense to me. So then I started investing all my money, literally every penny that I had outside of my essential bills um, was conferences, events, flying to different places. And I was like on this hunt to extract wisdom. And I would get one or two little golden nuggets or whatever you want to call it from everywhere I went that just leveled me up, leveled up my income, leveled it up. And I still do it to this day. Like I just came back from a two day event that I paid 10 grand for and literally learned a whole bunch of cool stuff and also met a couple people that want to join me in my business. And that's going to make, you know, multiple six figures, if not more from that partnership. So I'm like, to this day, I know it's one of the fastest hacks to um, leveling up is proximity, paying to invest in yourself and um, being around people that are further along the journey than you that can just kind of teach you the real stuff instead of you kind of figuring it out trial and error. So that's how it all happened. And now I actually am the person that teaches that to the younger generation um, in my business. I'm like, dude, you got to keep reinvesting. You got to go to these events. You got to show up. And, and a lot of them are doing it, which is really cool to see. Well, what's interesting about all of this is too, is and I'll get to it, but I mean, this really is an integrity-based sale, which is also the bonus of it, right? An integrity-based sale, like you can really feel good and passionate about the product because uh, it's got a track record, it's got a history. It's a business that's you know coming up 50 years old. You know yourself, you've made a difference in thousands of people's lives. And then on top of it, it's a cool business model that works for those individuals who would be willing to take it on in one way or the other. So I think that's an interesting part of it, you know, when we get into selling, which we do, I do, you know, you're looking at selling, it's 
way, way easier when it's just an integrity-based sale, when you can uh, run into that person, you know, in six months, a year, or in 10 years and look them in the eye and go, how's life? You know, how is that mm -hmm. product? And that's kind, of, that's kind of cool, right? Uh, so when you look at, you know, what you've achieved, you've done so much, Blage, and you've got, and you're kind of wired in a very, very interesting way in terms of how you see the world and how you've trained yourself and then the additional training that you've taken on and all of it. You know, when somebody as young as you and you look into the future, I mean, you kind of crushed it. It's not like you got to get up tomorrow and go to work for financial reasons. Uh, you may get up in the morning because psychologically you need to keep your brain fired up. Like, how do you, where's your, where's your vision for what's next for you in, you know, five years from now, three, five, 10 years from now, do you ever see not doing this or, or would you have a, a vision of a billion dollars? Like where, where, do, where does your head go around this stuff? Blanche? So initially my personal goal, my personal vision was around being a present father when I eventually um, started a family. That was my driving North star for my business since I got started. And it took me three years to get to that level. And then, um, my wife and I were progressing our relationship. We ended up getting married and we had a little bit of a slower time getting pregnant. It wasn't easy for us. Like for some people, it actually was quite challenging before we were finally able to have a child. And that was my driving force personally. Mm -hmm. And then on a outer goal, it was around paying that forward to other people. Like my favorite thing in my business is seeing families traveling together, homeschooling their children, spending as much time together as they want to, uh, not having to do anything, but getting to choose what they want to do uh, lights me up. So my social media these days, when I log on, it's all people in my business for the most part that are just sharing their travels, their adventures, and they're happy and they're together. And so that level of impact is what I feel like I'm still just getting started because we have uh, 225,000 sales in 100 countries in my business, thousands of people that are free now as a result of this business model and the training and the systems that we put in place for them to leverage. But I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. So from a level of like dreaming, my, my purpose in this life outside of my personal life and my family is a global prosperity movement. I genuinely believe that in 2023 and beyond with the power of the internet and technology, now AI and everything that's happening in the AI space, we don't have to follow those models of nine to five jobs and working those long hours and being apart from our families and the old traditional roles. So like, I'm, I'm completely against that. I, I fight against that model. I fight against that system. Um, and I'm a huge stand and advocate for freedom on all levels, personal freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, location freedom, inner freedom. Every single type of freedom is basically me and what I stand for. So I really am an advocate for that. When it comes to what happened with my family, it was really interesting. So I worked for seven years in my business before my daughter was born. Um, we found out my, my wife was pregnant um, two weeks before the world shut down with COVID stuff. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine building a business for seven years fantasizing about all the things that could happen, trying to plan uh, accordingly to be prepared. I'm like, listen, man, I've checked all the boxes, okay? Like when I become a dad, I can just turn everything off and I'm free and I can just be a dad. That was the vision. And so we find out this exciting news after years of trying to start a family and with no luck and finally it's happening, it's really exciting. 
And I'm like, yes, man, I'm ready, man. I'm free. And like, I was so proud of myself. You know, it was like that moment. I'm like, man, I did it, man. Two weeks later, the world's shutting down, global pandemic. And I'm like, oh no. And it was this thing where like, I didn't have context. I had no idea what reference point to look at. Like many people out there, they didn't really know, okay, what is, is this, is this serious? Is it going to like last for the rest of our lives? Is it short term? Like I had no context of like, how do I actually contingency plan this? Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, there's nine months before my daughter is going to born. So I'm like, man, I got to kind of figure this thing out. Like what's going to happen in the next nine months. So I went through this very weird internal I don't even know what you call it. Like one day I was like doomsday prepping. The next day I'm like, it's not that bad. Like I was all over the place for probably a couple of months when it started, but it was from this fear of becoming a father and bringing my daughter into this upside down clown world. And I'm like, this is not cool, man. (laughs) So once she was born, I was like, okay, I'm going into like offline. And I was, I was very, um, excited after years and years and years and years of really a lot of hard work and dedication to my business of like phones off computers off internet unplug the modem i'm i'm not available um and i my daughter slept on me every single day we spent all day together as a family it was a really beautiful special time and i didn't know when or if i wanted to actually work i i just i had an open blank book of like maybe maybe not not sure we'll see I'm only, I'm, I was 35 when my daughter was born. So I'm like, there's no way that I'm going to be done for the rest of my life, of course. But I'm like, I don't really know what the future has in store at this point. So I left it open-ended. And I told my wife, I'm like, I might get the itch in three months to really go back. It might be six. It might be 12. I really have no idea. I'm just going to see what happens. So six months goes by. I'm like, no desire to do anything work-related. A year goes by, zero desire. I'm like, hey, this is really cool. My business was growing 20% year over year. My income was growing. My impact was growing. I worked about 10 hours a week, which, which I don't consider work. It was like maintenance. I did a couple coaching calls you just, just to keep myself fresh, but it was very minimal. Exactly when I wanted to do it in my schedule, said no to pretty much everything that came across my desk for the most part. And then um, my daughter, my wife had a hair appointment and she goes every few months and it's like a big important thing for her of course and there's a, of course <laughs> and there's a conflict of schedule and her hairdresser had to move her appointment to another day that i would normally do a two-hour mentorship call that i do once per week and that's like my passion business it's not for money it's just i really love coaching people in that way so i do that and she's like oh man i got to do this appointment on this thing should i cancel it i don't want to interfere with your call that i'm like no you know what I'm like, my daughter's 18 months old. I'm like, I think, you know, this will, this will be a good opportunity for me to introduce her to like this other side of myself, which is the businessman and the mentor and the coach. So we made it happen. And what, what was really interesting is she comes down, we're doing a zoom call just like this same sort of frame. And she's sitting on my lap right here beside me. And and this is recorded by the way. So I'm so grateful that it's documented. She's sitting on my lap and I could see her on the screen on my computer. And she's looking up at me like this. And just gazing, perfect child, not moving, not moaning, not complaining. She's a toddler, right? It could be going all over the place. She's just sitting there and looking up at me and just staring. And I'm trying to focus. So I'm like kind of ignoring her sort of like talking and talking, talking, talking. And then all of a sudden I just go, man, I got to I gotta look at her, man. So I pause and I look down in her eyes and it felt like the universe, like the Big Bang. It was like this explosion of like, 
man, it was my eyes and her eyes and like the big bang is what it felt like. My heart, boom, my, my, my fire. And I, and I just felt it in that moment. I'm like, daddy's back. Like I need to get back in the game. And because of that moment, I told my wife, I'm like, it's 18 months. That's what it ended up being. It was 18 months of kind of taking this sabbatical or this mini, whatever you want to call it. I don't know, just freedom, I guess. And when I sat with that feeling, it wasn't about personal growth or financial growth personally for my family. It was like, I have to share this with more people out there, man. People got to have that same thing. And I can't stop. You know, if I stop, I'm selfish. If I stop, it's just like, I'm good now. So like, fuck the world kind of thing. But it's like, no, it's the opposite. It's like, I got to get back from an impact standpoint. So to answer your question, I know it was a really long answer, but to answer your question now, I'm more driven than ever to be of service, to give, to improve myself and my skills to better serve the world. That's why I said to you before the call started is uh, I'm really inspired to get into new audiences. Like I want to speak on other people's stages at other people's events so I could impact them. So I could share this business model and this product and like this way of life that most people don't believe is available to them. They truly don't think this is available for the average, regular, ordinary person that listens to your show and other places. And I'm like, but it is. And I've proven it and I know it works. So I guess I'm more fired up than ever. Um, from a financial standpoint, the target that I'm really excited about, just as a goal, you know, as, as, a, as a bit of a, a target is, is a million a month um, in, in personal revenue. That's the next goal that I'm, I'm aiming towards. And then we'll see from there. But I'm also really excited to be more philanth philanthropy based. And my target was at 40 years old to really uh, shift into an investor uh, more and more. Um, as opposed to this cash flow business that I've created. So my target is to get to a, a million a month in my business of monthly reoccurring cash flow. And then obviously I don't need that much to, to have my life. Um, I could, but that's, that's not really where I want to go. So instead, I'm just going to, my plan is to live off of uh, a million a year from the cash flow. I want to donate a million and then I want to invest 10 million. So that's my actual numbers that I'm looking to hit. And then we'll see. And I'll, who knows? Who knows after that? So that's my short goal. I love that. I love that clarity. Uh, let me just share you how uh, I'll share with you just, uh, you know, how great this show is. So uh, a few years ago, Janet LePage, a young lady, real estate investor, some people on the show would definitely know of her. She had just hit a half a billion dollars worth of real estate transactions. And she said, my goal is to hit a billion. Well, she hit a billion. The next time I had her on the show, she was at 1.2. And I think her goal was 2 billion. And uh, she went to 2.5. And I haven't had her on the show again, uh, only because of timing. Uh, but I think uh, Janet and Western Wealth uh, just crested 7 billion in real estate. So the show's good luck. I'm telling you right now, I'm just saying that. That's but, so good. But, but Blaj, let's go back a little bit because you, 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 you made some really interesting observations and comments that I want to see where you're at with it. Not the least of which is we talk about freedom, then, you know, COVID comes along, we get, comes along, we all get locked down. If there's, you know, it seems like we're losing freedom on a regular basis, even, you know, this, this, this many, well, three and a half plus years later, it doesn't, you know, it's hard to look forward and be optimistic when you look at what's happening economically, when you look at the global macroeconomic things. When you look into the future, 
you know, and you see what's happening on a global macro. And I know that economics might, might not be your fortitude. You may not even actually pay attention. You're just doing your life, doing shit. You don't care. But when you look into the future and you see the possibility of, you know, climate change and future lockdowns and 15 minute cities and all of the rest of it, you're a young man who's done some really cool things in business. You've achieved that kind of at least that financial part of your freedom. And when you look into the future, how do you see it? Can you still be optimistic? Can you still look at this as a business model for somebody? Do you see it as a safety net? How do you view it when you're talking to potential clients? Yeah, fantastic question. So like I mentioned, when the whole news broke around the world and the changes that were happening initially, I I felt really like the rug got pulled out from under me. I, I wasn't really sure how to approach it. I got sucked into the news cycle and the the doom and gloom and the fear for sure had to pause. And and, and uh, I prefer to be more um, unaware to a lot of that. Of course, I keep my finger on a lot of the bigger topics and I look into them and, and I, I stay open-minded to like the pros and cons of it. But one of the things that I discovered about myself during that time was that the truth lays somewhere in the middle, right? Like I was falling further into the doom and gloom and the worst case scenario and the really like if it went all the way to that far extreme side of things i'm like i was really believing that that was coming and that was happening but i realized like now in hindsight of how it's played out obviously the future is still unknown but just in hindsight if i analyze my thoughts and how i approach things um it was somewhere in the middle it was you know and when i look at what i can control and what I focus from my thoughts to what I consume, to what I read, to the actions that I take, that's the place that I thrive is as soon as I start thinking about big government and world elites and, and all these really big agendas, I feel powerless and I feel really small and really insignificant. And then I freeze and then I don't do anything. And then I'm like, what's the point? You know, like throw in the freaking towel. Like that's the energy that I don't want. So do I know for sure what the future has in store? No, I don't think anybody does. But it, can I be optimistic and look on the bright side and do my best to provide solutions that I know how to provide? Yes. So that's the place I choose to live. Every once in a while, you know, I'll have a whiskey and watch something crazy for two hours and go, shit, man, if that happened, that would be intense. And then I go right back to, hey, let's get focused on what I'm good at, how I can serve people in the solutions. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is with the business model specifically, there's a few key things that I love about Enagic. And there's a couple of, I'll kind of break it down real quick. So number one, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but did you know that in Japan, there are over 50,000 companies that are over 100 years old. Did you know that? Yeah, I, actually, I did. And it is absolutely amazing when you think about it, isn't it? So cool. So when I first discovered Enagic, it was a 35-year-old company. It's the same CEO from day one. So the same guy has been running it for the last 49 years. He has a son who's going to take over, who he's been grooming as the next CEO and whatever, when eventually... His time comes. He's 82 years old now. He is committed to living to 120. He still travels and, and acts and plays golf and he's very fit and healthy and all the things. And, you know, so he's convinced to live to 120. And his son is, is the successor of the business. And they have like a multi generation plan, like so many Japanese companies. So that gives me a lot of peace of mind of what I'm building is for the future. It is for the long term. Now, when the COVID stuff happened, I definitely had an oh shit moment because it is a handmade 
high-end technology, medical technology in Japan. They hand assemble them like a Rolls Royce, and then they ship them from Japan all over the world. So in my mind, I'm thinking logistically, oh no, what happens to the, the manufacturing? What happens to the parts? What happens to shipping? What happens to the borders and the shutdowns and the restrictions and the lockdowns? I went into like, oh no, what if we can't sell this product? What if there's delays? What if it's sold out? What if it's unavailable? So I definitely had that moment of like, mm-hmm. shit, maybe this is not a, a good business to be in when, when all this is going on. So that first 30 days of when news hit, like mid-March, I think it was, to end of April, so six weeks, I was in a fear of, oh man, is my my check in a tank and whatever? And it didn't. And the commissions never stopped. The business never stopped. And what I found out from my community, including myself, was that this became a more in-demand opportunity and business model. And the reason for it was the, the freedom aspect of it For example, when people started being told that they had to get the vaccine or different things, it went against people's freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people who were in a safe, comfy job, corporate, whatever it was, were starting to be told, you have to do this to stay working here or you're done. Like, we're going to let you go. So a lot of the people that thought they would stay in that type of career long term started going, I don't want this to ever happen to me again. And interestingly enough, many people that were in that predicament had a choice, kind of. It was framed as a non-choice. But anyways, the people who said, you know what, I'm going to quit this job because I don't agree with what you're making me do, were now unemployed, you know, technically screwed financially with their bills and things like this. And many of them invested into this business and they figured it out. And now they created incredible freedom, incredible finances, all the things. But it was because of this catalyst of what happened. So other people just went along with it and whatever, that's their decision, right? So when we look at Enagic as a company, what what I love about them is the long-term generational business plan, the whole succession model of like grooming your family members into that role and the fact of how they handled things with logistics and business and operations during such a nightmare of a situation where so many businesses went under and they didn't pivot and they didn't adjust to how they do things. Enagic, killed it, like knocked it out of the park. So they had their first billion dollar in sales a year last year after 48 years of being in business. And that's in US US dollars as well, currency. And then, um, so that was big. Now, another thing that they're brilliant about is that they have a holding company, parent company in Japan, and then they have other smaller subsidiary companies all around the world in all these different regions and countries, et cetera. So as a independent affiliate myself, I can actually shift my distributor account to another jurisdiction and another um, company. And overnight, my I reroute my money. That's unique. That's super cool. So when the Canada stuff got really bad in BC, eight months of like really bad lockdowns or whatever, we went to Mexico unvaccinated, got out of here. We didn't want to go down that route. Personally, we went down to Mexico and we bought a villa in Mexico. Um, and we're building that now as a, as a bit of a safe haven of like, man, if shit goes weird here, at least we can go bounce to Mexico. And we also chose Mexico because of the driving. Like technically, if we really needed to, we could drive there. So that was part of our like contingency plan when I was in the doom and gloom sort of mindset, <laughs> yeah. which is great because we got a really cool vacation property that's currently being built. But 
the other side of it is let's say like all of North America gets really weird. It's like we could go to Europe, we could go other parts of the world, we reroute everything, get paid in different currencies. If the US currency fails, we can get paid in euros, we can get paid in other things. So there's a lot of options and flexibility in the business Mm -hmm. to have that location independence. So unless we lose all financial currencies and the ability to access the internet across the whole world, we should be all right. And um, and Enagic is like, really committed to that as well. So what I see for the future that has happened and accelerated this shift to people having online businesses, side hustles, side incomes, et cetera, is that there was this huge red flag and this warning that went off and some people have heard it and said, okay, I need to learn something different. I need to pivot. I need to make an adjustment. And some people have ignored it and pretend they pretend like everything went back to how it was pre-COVID, which we know isn't the case. And then the final thought that I have is around the business model itself that we promote is around getting paid to be you. So when we look at social media and what people share, right, everybody has their own interests. And some people have children and a family, and that's really important to them. Other people are digital nomads who travel who don't want children. Other people are passionate about art or music or yoga or whatever it is. Everyone's got their thing. But majority of those things are not monetizable easily without getting stuck into a brick and mortar traditional business. For example, if you want to be a yoga instructor, well, what does that come with? Well, that comes with you needing clients. You have to stay put so the clients can come to you. So now you have to pick a location for your yoga. Maybe you have a yoga studio. So the passion is yoga. And then you start bolting on all the stuff that feels heavy. And you're like, man, I don't really want to do any of this shit. I just love yoga. Can't I be paid to just do yoga on my own and not have to do it to make money? So what we really teach people to do is build a personal brand, identify the things like their ikigai. If you are familiar with ikigai and all the circles is like, what's your ikigai? What falls into that perfect center place? And then how do you have a vehicle and a business model that just supports you to be paid to be you? So if you want to post yoga poses or yoga instructions on your social media, your TikTok or whatever, because that's what you love. And then people are like, how do you get to travel the world and do yoga on every single beach on the planet? How are you doing that? Click the link in my bio and let me show you this business model. So everything has been framed that way. And then after they learn the business model, the next piece is they go, oh, it's water. I need water. This makes sense. And it's not a weird thing like a transition. So that's how we've done things very effectively. And I do believe that the future is unlocking more and more international, no borders type of businesses. And like, I talk to every single time zone almost every 24 hours, and it's not even weird for me anymore. I just know this window in PSD is the perfect window in Australia or London or whatever. And I just accommodate that. And I really love that. I always wanted to have a global, like make the world my playground, right? Like I traveled to Australia five times in the last little while. It's a long flight. It's a big, you know, big thing. And I don't even get jet lag anymore because I figured out sort of these things of making it feel like I drove, you know, kind of close by because of the repetition and stuff. And I love that. I think it's so cool to be anywhere on the planet within 24 hours of, of, of a flight, you know, like <laughs> now I just need my own PJ and then, then we're, then we're taking things <laughs> to a whole nother level. But right now business and first is really, really nice, but Ultimately, I think like when I see some guys like Grant Cardone and whatever, and they got choppers and they got planes, I'm like, you know, that that would be really cool just from a time saving aspect. And 
having a business meeting in Dubai, like, yeah, I'll, I'll see you in three hours or whatever, however long it takes to get there. I'm like, man, that's badass. So that's kind of <laughs> one of my, my, my personal goals is just ease of, ease of use and really connecting the world more personally. But yeah, I think it's just the beginning for this type of business model, to be honest. And companies growing rapidly. My business is uh, 30% year over year right now in the last two years. Uh, so 2.25% month over month. And that's pretty outstanding. We, I'll, I'll tell you one quick thing and then I'll stop is that when I hit the first rank in the company, it's a hundred product sales to hit the rank. It took me 11 months. And because I track my monthly sales, I can forecast where we're headed. Right. And so I told people, beginning of the fourth quarter of 2022, that based on the forecast, we will average one new person at least per day in my organization at that level that took me 11 months when I started. And that's happened. We're at 191 people or something like this for this year. And it's more days than it's outstanding. So that compounding is really possible with this model as, as well. And you never know who knows who, where and how and there's no, there's no borders. You can't say like, oh, I can't do business in Africa. Sorry. There's literally no place on the planet we can't build this, which I think is really cool. I love that. I absolutely love it. And, and, and of course, I love the product. I've used it for 10 years plus. You know, Stephanie and I have done that. And I, I attribute a lot of just how healthy our life has been to, uh, you know, that being part of our lifestyle and uh, our own kind of healthy living. So uh, love it. So uh, as we wind down, because we've been going at this for a while, it's such a great yeah. story, <laughs> such a great story. And I love it, Boz. So I have a little bit of fun, some what we call rapid fire questions that are rarely rapid, but let's try it anyways. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask the question, although I think I know the answer anyways, but you know, Android or iPhone? iPhone, 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. Of course, of course, there would be no other answer. Have a, do you have a favorite band, a favorite tune? Uh, I, I listen to a lot of different types of music. Um, the two that I would say are the most frequent are, um, there's a playlist on Apple, of course, we just talked about that. It's called Piano Chill. It's a playlist. It absolutely hits the spot for me. That piano is so soothing, so relaxing. So we pretty much play that every night around sunset. We got a beautiful sunset on our back patio. So it's piano and sunset is, is a vibe for me. And then I'm a huge fan of Drake's music. Um, overall, his catalog of music, uh, I'm a huge fan of because it really inspires me to speak it into existence. I think Drake has done an outstanding job over his career to say, I'm going to be the best. And then he backed it up and made it happen. And I really um, aspire to do a similar thing. And in, in my job or like my career and, and what I do, so much of what I have created actually started with me speaking it into existence on Facebook posts and stuff like, watch me, it's what we're going to create, it's what we're going to do. Way back when I had no business really saying those types of things. So Drake is a really inspiring, every time I listen to his music, man, I just, I feel like let's go, let's, let's improve, let's get better. So those would be my top two picks for, um, but there's so many I could share. Oh, yeah, for sure. Of course. Well, and, and Drake's an interesting cat, you know, for sure. And, uh, I don't know that I'd be a fan, but I listen to Drake and, uh, you know, something that, uh, your piano, uh, I write, I have a playlist of piano and when I'm writing, which I do quite a lot, I love to put that particular playlist on. So that's kind of cool. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you should you should share the piano with me. I, I love it. That piano chill. It's nice because we're always updating it. So yeah. whenever I like a song, I'll save it to the to my library. But it's always kind of new stuff. And 
it's right that sweet. It's not quite classical and it's not quite like modern. It's it's just that perfect sort of melody for me of the the many ways that you can uh, play the piano. Favorite movie? Do you have one? Whatever Favorite your daughter, movie. whatever your daughter is watching, right? That's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> right now, she's she's into the shows. She hasn't quite hit the age of movies yet. For me, I love I love the inspirational movies. Um, the you know the 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 come up stories anything along those lines is really what what gets me inspired and motivated i like to watch those kinds of movies there's there's one that just came to mind it wouldn't be my favorite but it just came to mind is um straight out of compton i don't know if you've seen that one with um and in our that scene where they're in the studio and they're trying to figure out the final little beat and they're like no 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 and there's a play you know get it back and then finally you hear like they, it lands, and then that's the song that we all know, right? St- movies like that where you kind of get the behind the scenes of all the struggles and challenges, what they came like. I love that stuff. So anything in that category would be my favorite. Have, do you have a favorite inspirational quote? I know we all have lots of them, but is there one that you kind of go to that you drop often? Yeah, my my most commonly one that I think about is from Zig Ziglar when he says, um, if you if you help enough other people create what they want, eventually you'll have everything that you want. So that that's kind of been my my driver for so long of how it's all connected when you come from a place of service and that it, it always comes back onto you. And then the other one is I'd rather have one percent of a hundred people's efforts than a hundred percent of my own efforts from J. Paul Getty. And those two are those are really good. Yeah, very good. And. What about a book? What was a favorite book or a book that had the most impact on you? So many. I think if I was to pick a couple at least. So The Magic by Rhonda Byrne, who's the author of The Secret. It's a gratitude book, 28-day gratitude book. Every day is a little bit different. It really grounds me and, and makes me not take things for granted, even the simple things in life. So I use that as a part of my daily routine. Um, And Happy Pocket Full of Money really made me shift my beliefs around what money is. It's such a great book. Isn't that a great book? And I wanted to say, you know, earlier on when you were saying something about you're sharing the story, and I don't remember exactly the story, but it reminded me uh, of the book, The Gap and the Gain, because you were were spending a lot of time looking at the gap instead of the gain. But somewhere in that story, I went, oh, here's somebody who naturally just said, okay, I got to start looking at all of the gain, quit looking at the gap. I love that book also. That's such a great book, such a great book. And uh, he released another book, by the way, uh, Your Future Self, which is a book that uh, we stuff. Don't have that one yet. Yeah, yeah. Great book. Ben Hardy did a great job on that book as well. Do you have a favorite swear word? A go to? <laughs> probably just classic fuck, I think. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> we laugh. I, I'm telling you, I have guests all the time that go, no, I don't really swear. I go, what the hell? <laughs> I, I definitely swear quite a bit. I actually forgot to ask you how much swearing is allowed on the show, if, you, if, it's, if it's swearing or no swearing, because I had to bite my tongue a couple times on this episode trying not to. But um but it's it's interesting though because I feel like the in it can make a real big impact with the delivery of your passion and your message and whatnot. And I remember the first time I went to Tony Robbins in person live and none of his public stuff really shows him ever swearing, right? Like his public stuff is very clean. 
And I was like, I was so shocked. Every fifth word was like the F bomb and this and that. I'm like, who is this guy? I'm like, is this what I is this what I paid for to just hear him? And like, and then as soon as I happened, I'm like, man, he's a he's a homie, right? Like yeah. he's a he's just one of the dudes. So yeah, that was that do, was do interesting. You, uh, do you follow Patrick Bet David at all? I do. Yeah, he's he's amazing as well. I learn a lot from his stuff. Yeah, Patrick uh, David's great. Anyways, I I've been on coaching calls with him, and uh, yeah, he 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 loosens right up when you're when you're in yeah, because he it's doesn't really um, publicly. I don't no, see him swearing pretty, either. He's right? pretty clean. He's pretty clean. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's pretty funny. And finally, Balaj, what are you grateful for today? Oh man, everything. I'm so grateful for my life, my family, my health, my daughter, my wife. Uh, I'm I'm one of those guys that constantly stays in a state of gratitude. It's, it's probably the, the emotion that I want to stay in as much as possible. So I'm just so grateful for you. I'm grateful for being on the show. I'm grateful for everybody listening and I'm just grateful to be alive and, and still have a lot of um, impact and, and uh, experiences and memories to create in this life. And yeah, man, just grateful for all of it. Cool. And I am certainly grateful to have met you so many years ago and have been able to circle back and have you join me on the show and uh, look forward to having conversations again in the near future. Balash, thanks so much for uh, sharing your insights, your wisdom. And I love, love, love this business model and the product because I'm familiar with it. I'm kind of scratching my head going, what the hell? How come I didn't pick up on this way sooner? Anyways, <laughs> we joke. So thanks, yeah, it's thanks been great very much. Yeah, about it. Thanks for having me as well. And I'm sure we'll do this again another time. You bet we will. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.